0: Well, hello, if you're listening to Family Matters. This is Morgan, and I'll be your host. Hi, today's episode is going to be about repentance and forgiveness in family life. The line from the proclamation uh, is similar to the last episode about work. It's, successful marriages and families are established and maintains on principles of repentance and forgiveness. So, repentance and forgiveness um, is a really... I don't know that I'd say heavy, but like a deeper topic, Um, it can be heavy depending on what the repentance and the forgiveness is for. And there's a lot of components to it. This the chapter in the text is pretty full and full of a lot of information. And I don't know that I can really summarize all of it in just one episode. So I decided instead of trying to cover everything and getting really overwhelmed. (laughs) for the listener, I wanted to just kind of focus on a couple things. So I wanted to start with talking about um, repentance and forgiveness being an interactive process. That's what the the text refers to in a short little paragraph in the beginning. So I'm going to read two quotes from it. It says, in families, repentance and forgiveness blend into an interactive process that is strengthened by families' commitment to each other. The term interpersonal transgression implies the involvement of a victim and an offender who are at the time of the offense connected through an ongoing relationship. Although the process of repentance and forgiveness is interpersonal, successful outcomes are profoundly intrapersonal, experienced individually apart from or in addition to any interpersonal interaction. The noted forgiveness researcher Worthington wrote, Forgiveness does not incur in a relationship. It incurs within the forgiver. He posited that this was true even in intimate relationships. The text then talks about there being different types of interpersonal forgiveness, three to be exact. The text states, Three kinds of forgiveness will be discussed in this chapter. By implication, the repentance-forgiveness scenario involves an offender and a victim. However, in the first type of forgiveness, the interpersonal transgressions are such that both parties are at fault, and the roles of the victim and offender are shared. In this case, the resulting process is mutual forgiveness. By contrast, bilateral forgiveness, the second type of forgiveness, presumes there has been wrongdoing on only one side, and forgiveness comes in response to apology and repentance. In the third case, the offender will not or cannot participate in this type of healing, and therefore unilateral or one-way forgiveness can be achieved by the victim without the offender's apology or repentance. I think it's important to note, and why I included that, is that forgiveness isn't all just one big wrapped-up single thing, that there's kind of different pieces and parts to it um, and repentance alongside that. Because I think there are a lot of times where we feel that, you know, oh, well, I'm the only one that needs to forgive, or they, they're they the only one that needs to forgive, and, like, sometimes that can be the case, or there's the forgiveness where, you know, you're forgiving someone that you maybe never associate with again, and they don't, you don't need an apology or them to repent, but you need to forgive them, or there's the type that, you know, you both do need to forgive each other and and work on something, maybe after a fight where you both were upset or mean to each other. Um, The text gives us kind of a reason why to repent and forgive with something that I think is really interesting, uh, which it says, repentance and forgiveness have historically been regarded by social scientists as religious issues only. Now this is where it is interesting. However, since the 1990s, repentance and forgiveness have become increasingly prominent in professional literature. Mental health experts acknowledge that it is impossible to that it is impossible to address emotional and physical well-being without considering the relevance of repentance and forgiveness. Likewise, the words of ancient and modern prophets affirm that repentance and forgiveness are central to the gospel plan. Wow, I just had never really thought about repentance and forgiveness outside of a religious standpoint. I think I have probably a little bit, but this just really shows um, when you think about it, mental health, it really does affect the emotional and physical well being. And that just proves to me further that God is you know, he's got a plan and he understands us and, you know, the church and religion isn't just an extra thing. It's it adds to our our lives in general. Um but I think that it's important to to remember um that repentance and forgiveness are a process. Like I said, this text is really full of steps and of things to do. And, you know, sometimes you do need to work with a mental health professional or a bishop. And I think I mentioned that when I talked with my husband later um, about it, that there's a lot. So I do want to talk about, there's like a little section about cautioning, um, conceptualizing forgiveness. It says, in summarizing the work of several authors, Ryan Pargament noted that forgiveness should not be confused with legal pardon, condoning, or forgetting. It's also distinct from reconciliation. They're not necessary for these are not necessary for forgiveness and its attendant benefits for the victim to be obtained. Rye and Pargament argued that conceptualizing forgiveness using these distinctions allows people to forgive without compromising their safety or their right to pursue social justice. But without some sort of deliberate action, whether interpersonal or intrapersonal, actual forgiveness does not take place. I just think about um, situations where there was really where the the victim or someone who was really hurt, or um, there's a legal issue, or a really serious sin. That forgiveness doesn't mean that that's that what the you know, abuser or the um, offender did was was appropriate or correct, or that we need to condone it or forget that it happened, but that it's that it's separate from that, or to even reconcile to talk with them. It's forgiveness is separate, and that they're not necessary for forgiveness or for the benefits to be obtained. I really like what the text says about repentance. It says, Repentance is a process of enhancing eternal awareness and interpersonal accountability. Outwardly, the offender not only acknowledges wrongdoing, but also makes reparation. Inwardly, repentance is achieved through humility and empathy, making it possible for the offenders to see themselves and those they wounded with new perspective. That is refreshing and motivating. I like that because it then later says in the text that it kind of compares the, that scholarly concept of um, repentance but also empathy with something that like the Neil A. Maxwell explains through also drawing from the Bible dictionary. And it talks about that with repentance there needs to be empathy. And so let me share an, kind of what they say. Empathy is the ability to understand the deep feelings of another person. While humility helps transgressors see themselves differently, empathy helps them see their victim differently. Empathy is experienced as a feeling, not merely as a cognition. It's not enough to say, I know I hurt you. With empathy, the offender can know how it feels to be the offended person. For example, empathy helps a transgressing spouse respond to the following question, what if something strange happened and you were suddenly transformed into your partner? Knowing how you treated him or her, how would you feel? What would it be like to be in an intimate partnership with you? The scholarly concept of empathy meshes well with Elder Neal a. Maxwell's explanation of the change of perspective that comes through repentance. Drawing from the Bible dictionary, Elder Maxwell taught that repentance is a Greek word which means change of mind, such as changing one's view of himself, God, the universe, life, others, and so on in attempting to repent elder said elder maxwell we are actually progressing toward what paul called the mind of christ i think that is ex- a really great explanation scholarly of empathy and repentance as well as um, like spiritually or maybe in like religiously um, it really is a change of mind changing its changing your views etc the text also says that Repentance is more than an apology. It's a humbling, all-encompassing experience. I think oftentimes we think of repentance in the terms of, you know, especially little kids, they just say I'm sorry, but it's more than that. There's an all accompanying experience. There's um talks about the steps of repentance actually in the chapter according to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in one of their books. And those steps are recognizing the sin, admitting to ourselves like that we did something wrong, feeling sorrow. Um, so I think that one sometimes is confused that we have to feel sorry for the sin. And I think that's the only way for repentance to actually happen. So it's not that we have to try to make ourselves feel sad that that will that one will come naturally. And then to forsake it, so stop doing it. And then to confess. So confessing doesn't just have to mean um confessing to the like a church bishop or something. But also just confessing to the Lord, especially if it's a sin that isn't huge, and um, and then make restitution. So wherever it's possible to try and right any wrong that we've done, and I think sometimes that happens within ourselves. But especially in terms of like with our spouses or in our family, that th- those repentances a lot of can happen on a day to day basis um, or week to week. That there's always going to be times when we um, make a mistake the small ones at least, and um, to be able to go through those steps and repent uh, can be really intimate and really join together a relationship as you go through those processes, Um, which my husband actually mentioned later on about his experience with his dad when um, he said that one of the best things that he saw in his dad was to um, to, to see him admit that he had done wrong and, and repented and changed. So now that I kind of talked about how to repent and kind of those steps of repentance, I just want to finish up with like the steps of forgiveness because I think we sometimes just think forgiveness is just, oh, just forgive, forget about it, like just do that. But there's actually like um, a process to that. So and this the text shares... Um, a cognitive behavioral five-step process that Worthington was, um, his focus. Uh, so I just wanted to share those. The first step is to recall the hurt. Um, so too often we try to kind of forget the pain, but to forgive, we have to know what happened and like understand what that, that injury is or what that hurt is. The second is to empathize. Um, so it, the text says, in order to forgive, it's important to understand the transgressor's feelings. So, when we forgive, we have to kind of put ourselves in their shoes. Like, where were they? You know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Understand that maybe they were having a really bad day. Maybe they are going through some own their own pain. Um, there's a lot of questions. You know, what pressures would influence that person to commit the offense? You know, what ways maybe the offender was victimized? Um, what maybe pain might they be experiencing. And then to offer the altruistic gift of forgiveness. It says forgiving with altruism is easier when the victim is humbled by an awareness of his or her own shortcomings and offenses with special gratitude for those occasions when he or she was fully forgiven. So if you think about when you're trying to forgive someone remember times when oh I've made mistakes and I've been forgiven as well. The fourth step is to commit publicly to forgive. And it says that the victim has a better chance of successful forgiveness if he or she verbalizes the forgiveness or commitment to another person. So, for example, telling your friend or a counselor about the decision to forgive. Sometimes it says you can write a letter, make a journal entry, or create a certificate of forgiveness, kind of making that, that public accountability of forgiveness. The fifth is to hold on to forgiveness. After completing the forgiveness process, victims may still be haunted on occasion by the pain of the offense. During this stage, it's important to move forward. When thoughts revert to the painful injury, the victim is reminded that the decision to forgive has already been made. He or she does not have to repeat the process. How Also, it is important for the victim to remember that having forgiven, he or she has promised that there will be no paybacks or grudges. Although painful memories are not necessarily repa- replaced by forgiveness, the pain should be a reminder to move forward with one's life instead of revisiting the transgression committed against him or her. I really love that because I think that, that is, you know, that pain and those things are haunting, like it said, that some of them come back, but holding on to that forgiveness is so important for moving forward and knowing that you already did that. You already went through that process. You don't have to go back and repeat it so i just really like that idea and that um the idea of how to repent and how to forgive um i think it's good to to refresh our memories about that you know if you're a member of a religion it's often you know you learn about that a lot but just kind of going to those conceptualized ideas of steps and and things that you know not everything is an easy how to five steps perfectly but to have kind of a guide to do those things is important and helpful so now I wanna transition just into my conversation with my husband about repentance and forgiveness. I think it was really a neat um, perspective from both of us have had instances in where we were able to remember a time when in our family setting, we had to forgive. And um, I think in turn, we we probably had to repent through that process as well. So um, we shared some of that and what it looks like in our families and what we feel like it meant and what we want it to look like for our future family. So I hope you enjoy listening. And are able to learn something and apply it to your life. So I'm here with my husband, Hunter. And we're going to be talking about repentance and forgiveness. So this one's a little bit more of a, I guess you'd say heavier. Would you say heavier? Heavier topic? Yeah. More serious? Yeah, a little bit more serious. Um. So I know you mentioned you're a little nervous, and no worries, you don't need to be. Um, I was thinking, to kind of start off, we should just maybe define what we think repentance and forgiveness means, or, like, what is, or what's repentance for yeah. you?
1: Well, I think um, repentance has a few definitions, but I think for, like, within the family, repentance just means, like... Being able to admit that you were wrong, being able to admit that you you did something that maybe offended somebody else or that hurt someone and being willing to change that um, action in the future and ask for that forgiveness in the past, um, like from things that have already happened. And so repentance is change. Um, trying to be better, accepting that we're not perfect, and then forgiveness. Um, number one, you got to forgive yourself, and you got to ask for forgiveness from others. Um, and it just means accepting that we're not perfect, accepting the changes, and accepting the imperfections, and being willing to work with someone and and allow them to work through their struggles.
0: I like that. Um, I was in, I think it was my freshman year of college, and I was in an institute class, and the teacher always said, repentance is just stop, turn around, and start doing good. And I don't know why that stuck with me. I think it's just a really simple way to think of repentance, because I think sometimes when we think of repentance is like this big, huge, sorrowful practice but mm-hmm. right and it's like negative but it's just like right. stop doing something that's maybe not the best for you or for others and start doing like something that turn is turn and start yeah start doing something that's better yeah that's repenting i think
1: yeah i agree i think i think in our language repentance is a negative word because it means that you failed or you did something wrong um and that's it shouldn't be looked at as negative. It should yeah. be that you're trying to be better, yeah, and it's a joyful, it's a joyful yeah. thing. Like it's, you're improving, and we have to suck it up a little bit and realize that we're not perfect. Like we do mess up, we do make mistakes, and we have to try and be better. Um, our world tries to tell us that we have to be perfect and expects perfection and if you're not perfect then you're a failure and so we don't want to think we have to change because we want to think of ourselves as perfect and that's just not true
0: i totally deal with that like i'll even like i think repentance is great like i'm like yeah good like we can repent it's awesome but i always feel bad when i look back and be like oh i had to repent for this like i had to change this i had to repent this i had to do that Mm -hmm. i also think repentance is looked at as like oh you only have to repent if you do some big huge sin yeah but like
1: if you're like a sexual murder, sin or, or murder, murder or something, something like, crazy yeah no but repentance like, can
0: or you did drugs or whatever but yeah repentance can be like oh i need to repent for just like not reading my scriptures for a long time or like yeah it's just like i think that's when you can look at it as more as change and it doesn't have to be yeah. so scary
1: yeah that's that's the best definition i've ever heard of it is just being a change for mm-hmm. the better
0: yeah a change of heart um um, and I guess I guess forgiveness for me, I think going along with you, it, it's um, like not like I mean Christ forgives us, right? Like that mm-hmm. forgiveness is ultimately um, for like us. Like Christ forgives us, but then it's also oh I don't know how to say this, but like it's not for the other person. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it is like. I want to be forgiven from like by you when you're <clears> mad <throat> but a lot of times forgiveness is an individual thing.
1: Yeah, like I think it's an individual thing, but also I think forgiveness is more important for the forgiver yeah, yeah, than the forgivee. Yeah. Like I think it's more important for me to forgive you than you yeah. to be forgiven cuz yeah. you can move on mm-hmm. if you have if like I haven't forgiven you you can move on and you can go have a totally different and life repent and, and repent and change but if I don't forgive you the only person that's hurting is me right and it's it's just a grudge and just makes me feel more negative and I've noticed when people don't forgive they just feel resentment and anger hard and, and bitter. hard bitter emotions and and then you can forget what you're mad about and still be so angry and.
0: Not even know why. <laughs> not
1: even know why. And then you can't change. Then, it be, oh, yeah. the, the, then it's, you, it's you having to repent because you can't yeah. forgive. And it makes the change way harder.
0: Yeah. So why do you think. I guess we've kind of talked about it. Like, why. If there's anything else out of why it's important for mm-hmm. us to forgive, especially in, a, in our family setting.
1: Yeah, I think, especially between a husband and a wife, mm-hmm. I think it is so important to be willing to make small changes and be willing to forgive. Marriage can't be one-sided. It can't be one person demanding the other person change everything about themselves. That's mm-hmm. not going to work. Yeah. But at the same time, both of you need to be willing to change a little bit for the other person and be willing to forgive the other partner if it if they make a mistake because we all are going to and if you made a mistake you'd want them to forgive you so definitely go ahead and forgive them when they make a mistake
0: yeah I think it's important just because one like it's necessary for us like an individual to be happy like for me to be happy I need to repent and forgive Right, like you talked about you Uh get so bitter and hard and then like as as each individual person in a family Uh is happy like usually your family's happier right yeah and i think like you said that a marriage is not going to work if you're not going to be willing to yeah because we're gonna screw up and i think and a big thing too that's important that i hope that we can do with our family is me as a mother like as a parent Mm -hmm. i want to be able to show my kids that i'm that I have to repent, right? right. That and I it, make and mistakes I have to and change. apologize and f- yeah. forgive. Because well, I think yeah. sometimes there's this idea that like, oh, your parents, like they, they make mistakes, but they aren't repenting. They aren't being forgiven or, or forgiving or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's more of like, oh, you're a kid. You make all the mistakes. But.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think I agree with that. But I, I, I also think something that's important for our family, for any family really, um, is to not let resentment sneak in and not let anger and those emotions get in Mm -hmm. um i think forgiveness and repentance are good ways to avoid that Mm -hmm. i think that if we don't forgive we don't repent and try and change then resentment sneaks in and and anger and And all that those emotions do is split people apart. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a husband and a wife, a father and a son, mother, Mm -hmm. daughter, whatever the Mm -hmm. relationship is, if resentment is there, it's going to cause cracks in that relationship, and it'll break trust. If if you can't forgive and you can't change, then it's going to break trust, and that's going to break down the relationship.
0: Yeah, while you're talking, I also thought like, in the same... Like, with the, the idea of resentment, mm-hmm. I think that also can come... Like... oh, how do I say this? In the book, it talks about not using repentance or forgiveness in a way that's, like... That's wrong. So, mm-hmm. say a child is abused by their parent, right? Mm-hmm. And the child doesn't need to repent for that. No. But they, like, might have this idea that, like, oh, well, I wouldn't... If I wasn't doing something wrong, they wouldn't hurt me. Or, mm-hmm. or like if we just forgive and forgive and forgive and never like have a productive conversation right and like we just let like okay it say you know say you're doing something to like hurt my feelings a million times and i just forgive you and yeah well and so that's where i think that's where the repentance comes in is where like i would need you to repent by just change like by changing yeah
1: yeah i agree and i think um that honestly like that's like bullying and like kids that get bullied they they let it go, let it go, let it go, or forgive, forgive, forgive. And then they just can't take it anymore. And
0: you just get resentful. Right? And
1: yeah, and In so way, you, you, you you gotta have those those conversations yeah. to, that those are important.
0: Yeah, I think so just like communication comes mm-hmm. into your repentance. Yeah, your. for sure. And then it's a process. It's not just like, okay, I forgive you. Like it is sometimes with like yeah. the little stuff. But, but I think if bigger things happen...
1: Yeah, it's not like, okay, I repented, I'm good, I changed. Well, it, it, it you're not going to change overnight. Right. You're not going to forgive someone overnight if you've had resentment towards them for eight years. Like, yeah. y- y- it's going to take some time, and you got to let it take time.
0: Yeah. Um, and with bigger things, you might need help. Like, you might need a therapist to help you work through yep. it, or, or bishops, or whatever. Yep. Um, but have you had any, like... I know this is kind of a bigger question so off the top of your head do you have any experiences where you feel like in a family setting either you've seen your parents repent or -hmm. forgive or you have
1: Um,
0: or a sibling yeah
1: so uh i guess maybe this isn't exactly towards a sibling but um my little sister um was dating a kid in high school that was just not it was not a good situation Um, And you know about this, but um, for the listeners, it wasn't a good situation, and I hated that kid. Um, He uh, was not at all treating my sister how she deserved to be treated, and was manipulating her and hurting her and emotionally abusing her, and I had had it, and I wanted to just I really wanted to hurt this kid, and I didn't like it. And there was very a lot of close calls. Um, but I graduated from high school, and I left. And my sister figured it out and tried to break away from him and tried for a couple years. And anyways, I came home from an LDS mission and saw him at a state conference one day. And I just looked him in the face. And this had been years, I guess, since things started. And I, for some reason, just felt like, I need to forgive that kid. He's doing the best he can now. And I just, I didn't have to go have a conversation with him. I didn't, but I just forgave him. And felt, you know what? God loves him too, and he's trying to figure things out. And... That was like the hardest thing I've ever done because he hurt my sister, right. and I—I'm an older brother and protective of her, and to just forgive him and just let it go.
0: What do you think that's done to your relationship with your that sister? Like, do you feel like that's helped it or?
1: Um, yeah, I think I think we have a better relationship now um, because I think part of me being resentful towards him was resent, resentful towards her that she let it happen even though it wasn't her fault and and I know that like that sounds horrible but like the fact that it happened and I couldn't do anything yeah I I, I was a little bit resentful for towards her because she wouldn't let me get involved mm-hmm. and didn't see that it was a problem and wouldn't let me help and it's a good thing because I wouldn't have really helped. but
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think probably you forgiving him made it so that your relation, you didn't screw up your relationship with that right, sister because yeah. you probably would have... Yeah, it totally prevented it been, a lot of problems. It would have yeah. been a
1: disaster had I tried to intervene.
0: Yeah. And probably if that moment and you're not forgiving him in that moment and you going up and making some... having some conversation with him, even <laughs> those years later, it could have yeah. been really harmful right. to your relationship, right. I bet.
1: And I think... I mean, it's all in the past now, and and it's been years and years, and we're all happy and good now. But, yeah, I I think it taught me some good lessons of, of fixing that.
0: So I've had an experience um, forgiving, I guess. When I was growing up, my family wasn't very active in the church. They're still not really – I mean, my – my brothers are at least some of them, and my mom's starting to come back and stuff, but it was really hard for me because I stayed active in the church, and so I think I blamed a lot of behavior on their inactivity or, like, that we disagreed, and so I think, it, and it caused some contention, I think, looking back then, I probably wouldn't have said that necessarily, but before I went on my mission, I was really struggling uh, just with my family and not feeling very supported. My dad didn't really want me to go on a mission and I was talking to one of my bishops and things were happening with my papers and it was taking longer. And he said, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about forgiveness. And I was like, what? And we had a deep, a long chat. And he talked about encouraged me to go and work on forgiving my family. And I was like, forgive them for what? Like there was not one big thing, but it was a lot of little feelings that I just was upset. Like okay. I was just angry with them, I think. And I didn't realize that was happening. Um, and so, that process was it wasn't like overnight i had it was a couple months of like prayer and and talking and kind of looking and introspecting about that and and um coming to forgive and love them which i was able to do before i left and it made my mission way better because i wasn't upset with them before i left if that makes any sense mm-hmm. i don't know if that really expresses yeah. Well, you,
1: you, it was a big
0: deal. Yeah, you, you know, a, it you was, were able
1: to get rid of that resentment and anger. Yeah, and feel better about yeah. them. Yeah,
0: and I've had to re forgive lots of times and, and forgive myself for yeah. treating them the way that I did when I was yeah. a teenager because uh-huh. I wasn't yeah, always supportive or <laughs> or a missionary. Yeah, yeah we're teenagers, teenagers were not perfect. <laughs> oh boy. You know, if we could go back and apologize for a million things. But sometimes you do just have to move forward. But mm-hmm. I think that for me, like, I know that that changed my relationship with my family. For sure, yeah. 100%. Yep. And so I know that in, like, that's my feelings about in family life is repentance. But, yeah. No, so I the, agree. the only other thing I really wanted to mention was just kind of how we wanted to do it in our family. And I think we kind of expressed that a little yeah. bit earlier. Yeah, uh-huh, we did. Do you have any last thoughts about how you want to pursue a repentance and forgiveness Um, in our family
1: I I just want to make sure that our kids know it's okay to make mistakes yeah um, that we don't have to be perfect and me too I want them to feel like you know there is a line you don't cross but when you do cross it here's how we fix it yeah and we teach them that process and we are their advocate and their their teacher And we help them to to learn how to do that. Um, And I want them to see me forgive and see me, honestly, the best thing for me as a kid is to know that my dad struggled too. Yeah. And to know that he made mistakes. And I think it's important for parents to tell some things that they did wrong to their kids. Because it helps them see that, oh, my parents aren't perfect either. Yeah. They made mistakes and look, they made it. Yeah, they're okay
0: and I want our kids and m- myself and you I want us to be people that are quick to forgive and uh-huh. quick to repent
1: yep yep I think we always need to give the people the benefit of the doubt it's so important you'd never know where somebody's coming from before the conversation you like started mm-hmm. like they could be so just having the worst day ever and you know they were a little bit mean with you or whatever but you mm-hmm. know what They they probably had a really horrible day and we need to give them that benefit of the doubt. And say, so, you know what? It's okay. Can we talk about it later or whatever? I don't know. What You just yeah. got to forgive people.
0: Yeah. And I think that comes with practice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's great. I'm excited to uh, have our family learn those things with you.
1: Me too. I'm excited for our uh, our daughter to learn that.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for talking with me today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was good. It was. Well, there's today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you come back, and I want you to remember, family matters.